We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and I am your host. Happy to be joined by my guys, Alex and Tyler, as always. Alex, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing tonight? Doing good. Sounds good. I, I, uh, I hope you're not as bored by the NBA Eastern Conference and Western Conference finals as I am. Can't tell you. Haven't watched any of them. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Uh, Tyler's here as well, man. Tyler, how you doing? Doing very well. I rarely watch NBA basketball, and now that the Sixers aren't even in it, so I can't even root for somebody else's team, I definitely am not watching it anymore. Uh, yeah, man, these these playoffs are are just brutal. Um, I don't know if you guys follow StatMuse, but uh, anybody out there should definitely follow them. They posted a, a graphic of like the amount of clutch minutes per game that there have been, You know, minutes where the margin is 10 points or less. And it was uh, in the fourth quarter, that is. And it was like 10 minutes in the first round. <laughs> You're not. Um, and, and, you know, in terms of uh, definitely missing much, want to give a shout out, of course, to Tyler and his fiance, Janae, for graduating. Uh, big milestone Woo-hoo. in the Shoon family this week. So, Tyler, Janae, congrats, man. Yeah, thank you very much. We both graduated. It took a long time. Um, took me a long time at least. And I haven't even taken a real class since spring of 2020 and the pandemic happened. And then I just did research for two years after that. So it, it felt like forever because I needed to graduate, but I did it as a formality mm-hmm. and hey, it was fun. 
was definitely fun for sure. A um, little bit of a housekeeping before we get started today. Uh, there is an Isaiah Spiller jersey giveaway uh, pending on our Twitter page. You have to be a supporter on Patreon or through YouTube membership on here. Uh, Tyler posted the link to join there earlier. So if you, in case you missed it, you want to join, you can uh, support the show through Patreon or YouTube. Do not have to do both to uh, be eligible for the giveaway in uh, whatever platform you choose. We will greatly appreciate it. And the instructions for that giveaway are posted on either platform. So uh, if you want a chance at a Isaiah Spiller jersey, you can uh, join up. And, uh, of course, we do appreciate all the great support there. So building, and we're going to have a good conversation there. I haven't really talked a lot about Justin Herbert over the last few weeks, which I think is uh, you know kind of indicative of where this team and the roster have gone over the last few months. So, uh, And then we'll also kind of continue our conversation from last time where we will sort the Chargers' key defensive players into tiers. I think a much more interesting conversation, potentially more some more debate, which will be a lot of fun uh, and excited to get to that one. But, uh, of course, we'll talk about Justin Herbert, have some uh, a good conversation here, specifically because uh, you know Nick Cuthrell, friend of the show, shared that Bet Online actually has Justin Herbert as the betting favorite for the 22, 2022, excuse me, MVP award. He's uh, mostly fifth or sixth on uh, some of the other betting sites, which is kind of where I would lean. Uh, but Tyler, what'd you make of uh, Bet Online having Justin Herbert as the favorite? That would be great because that would mean that he took a huge step forward and the Chargers are going to have a fantastic record. I had some fun and doing my best Arjun impression. I looked at the EPA per play plus CPOE composite stat. And over the last five seasons, the MVP has been first, second, first, first, and first in the EPA per play plus CPOE composite ranking stat, <laughs> which is great. They talk all uh, this shit on analytics and then they just, it goes right in line with it. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I think that Herbert, so he was 16th ranked in that category in 2020 and then tied for eighth in 2021. So that would be a fantastic jump. Uh, to me, though, it just comes down to whoever maybe wins the AFC, but definitely the AFC West. I think that voters are going to reward whoever ends up winning the you know the AFC West, or at least the AFC. I think that's kind of where people are leaning. They know that the AFC is the strongest conference right now. So whoever, again, not a you know, QB wins aren't a QB stat, but two voters, hey, they won the AFC West. I'll give it to them. Uh, still, Josh Allen being the front runner on most in most cases does make the most sense to me. If we're talking like Oscar voting when it comes to actors or movies, like canceling each other out, I think Herbert and Mahomes could kind of cancel each other out for some voters. Sure. I think Herbert and Burrow could kind of cancel themselves out as well. Whereas Josh Allen is uniquely in his, you know, his own division. And, you know, Mac Jones, too. Like those guys aren't winning it anytime soon, I don't think. And the Bills are poised to win the most games and probably should win the AFC. So I do think Josh Allen being number one, give or take, on most places makes sense. But Herbert being right there, top five for the most part, also makes a lot of sense. I think he has a good shot of doing it. I, hopefully, voters aren't bored with Herbert um, because, like, he's just amazing. He had a you know, rookie of the year campaign, five thousand what are forty three touchdowns um, that he had last year. So hopefully, voters are like, eh, we'll give it to some up and comer or something. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think Herbert being right in the mix is fantastic, and if he does win MVP. It means that he was statistically CPOE plus EPA per play 
the best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, no, um, I was just going to say, I mean, Herbert kind of is the up and comer, right? Like, I mean, in some sense of the voting, because they've given, obviously, last year to Rodgers, um, they've given plenty of MVP awards to Brady. So, I mean, if you're looking to give it to someone else, they've already given, you know, Mahomes uh, and Lamar's MVP to those guys, respectively. You know, Herbert sort of is the next guy in, in addition to Josh Allen and some of these up and coming quarterbacks in general. Um uh, it, it's always fun to look at the Russell Wilson MVP odds and be like, oh, I'm going to bet on that. I learned my lesson with that last year, never doing that again. <laughs> uh, so did, did learn, didn't learn a lesson or two there. But uh, no, I, I think Herbert should be top five, really the top three. I mean, when you consider it's best quarterback of the year award and there's not many that you would put above Herbert, uh, also considering the voter fatigue when it comes to older quarterbacks, there also might be a specific reason this year. There's probably a little Aaron Rodgers fatigue in general. Um, sure. I, I think that that could, you know, really strike the uh, voter base this year. But it's, I think this is kind of the year where you look at whoever the best up and comer quarterback is going to be in general, right? Whether that's Josh Allen, whether that's Justin Herbert. Um, I don't really think Kyler Murray has the ability to hold it for like a whole season, um, but he probably would have been the MVP last year if you just gave it for the first eight weeks. Uh, but so, yeah, no, I think it's going to go to some quarterback like that. Uh, and, you know, the stat that he brings up about EPA per play, uh, you know, like Tyler just said, I think you look at that as well in terms of what he's creating for the offense. Um, and, and MVPs really just come down to who was the best quarterback that year, right? Um, you know, they're never going to give it to another position. So you're just kind of safely betting on mm -hmm. that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that Herbert definitely should be one of the favorites to win the award. I almost think he's such a favorite at this point that it doesn't make sense to bet on him, right? Yeah. Um, you know, like last year, I think when we did like MVP discussions regarding Herbert, he might have had like the eighth or like 10th best odds uh, somewhere mm -hmm. around there last year. That probably is where he could have gotten more value. But um, I think Herbert should definitely be a top three candidate based on, you know, how the quarterbacks are kind of laid out right now. As far as winning the AFC, though, I mean, that's, that's going to be tough because it's the whole i mean it's a conversation we have in the nba as well which is like it's a regular season award based on regular season as, you know, right. as opposed to the postseason so that's always difficult to do with it um but yeah i think Justin should definitely be top three i probably agree with tyler though that i i favor josh allen for the award right now yeah i mean uh, and i don't want to sound boring or anything i, I would kind of pick josh <laughs> allen to be that guy too right now based off of you know i think epa per play and cpoe might not favor Josh Allen as much. So that would be an interesting trend there. But I think you're, when you're talking about MVP, you're, you're talking about one of the best quarterbacks in the league and also a team that yeah. is kind of the first or second seed. And, you know, we don't really see, you know, kind of like a four seed or a five seed or wildcard team kind of win the MVP. Um, so the chargers would absolutely have to help Justin Herbert in that regard and be able to, you know, kind of take a, a, a leap as a team, and I think they will, but I don't know if they'll be able to get all the way up to, you know, the one seed, the two seed. I think mm -hmm. they certainly can. I think that's certainly possible, but, you know, a lot of this will tie hand in hand with the team, and I, I do agree that I, I kind of feel like whoever is the one or two seed in the AFC is going to have an MVP candidate quarterback. Yeah. Um, you know, you talk about voter fatigue, and, like, the last five years, it's been Brady and Rodgers pretty much pretty consistently <laughs> – yeah, and with a Mahomes year and a Lamar Jackson year, where they just had 
a crazy statistical season. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that really is the outlier. Like you don't necessarily have to be one or two, but if you aren't, you have to have a crazy statistical season. And so, you know, Christian Castillo, I don't know if Herbert's going to get 6,000 yards passing, (laughs) 58 touchdowns and 10 rushing touchdowns. Um, But I, I certainly think we could see him take a bit of an improvement. Again, having Gerald Everett kind of, you know, give him some more easy opportunities, better protection, giving him, you know, opportunities for more deep shots. So anything is possible here. I think if you're talking about Justin Herbert objectively, you're talking about a top five quarterback in the league, potentially making a top two or three leap this year. And um, I I think that certainly will lend itself towards getting some votes, especially if he's able to win the AFC West and kind of outshine Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and Derek Carr. Yeah, so Josh Allen the previous year was second in that stack category and then 10th right behind Justin Herbert. Um, if you want to look at something similar to Josh Allen as like a dual threat sort of guy, because for the most, like I know Rodgers can run, but it's been, you know, Rodgers, Rodgers, then Jackson, but then Mahomes, Brady, Ryan. Cam Newton actually won it in 2015 and he was eighth in this category. So it doesn't have to be first. Um, and then Herbert this past year did have a higher EPA per play plus CPOE than Newton in 2015. That said, that 2015 team also went 15 and one. Yeah. So, yeah. And Cam had like a lot of games. Cam had like 15 rushing touchdowns or something yeah, so crazy I'm, like I'm that. I'm sure too. something ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Alex, what do you think? I, I forget where I saw this, but apparently, either frequency or money wise, Jalen Hurts was the most bet quarterback oh, for shit. MVP. What do you think? <laughs> not, not because people think he's the front runner, but because you know that's where the good money is. What do you think about that? Um, Hurts is a weird one because you could kind of. T- talk yourself into like him having a like a 2015 newton season like obviously i don't think the eagles are going to be that good and that's like the the big roadblock towards him getting that good i also don't think he's nearly as good of a passer as cam newton but with rushing touchdowns and and how fantasy works you could kind of see him you know uh, adding rushing touchdowns to his total and making it better plus he has you know better receivers now with the addition of aj brown um i I'm just not a huge believer in Jalen Hurts. So, I mean, at this point, uh, it kind of is what it is. I think I saw him at like plus 1,800, something like that. Um, so he's a little bit like below where like Herbert would have been last year. So, I mean, good value if, you know, he really does take that leap forward. I I, I just don't see that happening for him. I mean, I mean I think, uh, yeah, yeah. He, he's, in, he's, in, he's in the right division to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If you're going to take the MVP leap and you're going to, you know, put up some big stat lines and cupcake games, like, yeah, that's the vision to do. It. And so there's a, re- there's a route to it, but I don't see it. Yeah. I mean, the Hertz will definitely be improved and having AJ Brown there will obviously help a ton there, but uh, I think you have to be like a legitimately good quarterback. And I don't think Jalen Hertz is, is legitimately good. I think he's a, a fine starter. Um, and I, I get why people would bet on him just because, you know, uh, of the betting value. But, um, you know, just getting back to Justin Herbert for a second, I thought, you know, kind of expanding the conversation a little bit. Um, something that we talked about was just kind of the importance of keeping some continuity around him heading into this offseason and, you know, being able to bring back Mike Williams and being able to, you know, keep Joe Lombardi around. And obviously they lost Frank Smith to Miami, which I think is kind of less about him and more about the offensive line. But, you know, he said to Haley Elwood in an interview in that camera on series 
that at this time last year, he was kind of drowning in, in the playbook and everything that the Chargers coaching staff was asking of him to do. And I think, you know, we, we've talked so much about everything the Chargers have added this offseason, and, and, and rightfully so. Like, they've, they've added a lot of great players. But I, I think just the importance of Justin being able to stick around in an offense for the first time in consecutive years since high school and be able to have like legitimately good coaches around him, good talent, and just the the mental stress that he won't have to worry about this year because he's not having to, you know, learn such an extensive playbook is going to be huge for his development. And again, just being able to focus on getting passing reps with all of these new players and getting passing reps and building relationships mm-hmm. with Josh Palmer and Mike Williams and continuing to build on positives from last year is going to be huge because again, he's not going to have to spend all of his time learning a new playbook and it being one of the most extensive playbooks in the NFL. Yeah, no, that's going to be huge. I believe Josh Palmer in one of his early pressers just recently said that the final play that touchdown to him against the Raiders was a play they didn't even run during the season or whatever it was like. They're trying to put so much of this offense together. I think Eckler said after week four, they were trying to install new plays on the fly. Like now you know these, you have, as Staley says, the inventory of experiences. That's going to be huge for Herbert. And again, he there's not much of a better season he could have had, but still he was eighth in that stat category. And so there is room for him to grow a little bit more. And if it's just more chances downfield, fewer interceptions, heck, just better chemistry in this offense. So people aren't running the wrong routes. So you don't throw what three, four interceptions to Austin Eckler. That's huge for this team. I can't wait to see what year two looks like. Yeah, I mean, I think just continuity uh, is so crucial for Justin Herbert, crucial for the Chargers in general. Um, and and the fact that it's like his first uh, consecutive season's high school that he's had the same coach, like, or same offensive system in place is just crazy. What was it, three and five years? Or what? how many years at Oregon? How many so offensive he coordinators? Three, so he had three different coordinators at Oregon. Um, but it was and different then, schemes yeah. and things like that. And then, so it's really right. been since high school that he's had same scheme same coach and back-to-back years so we're talking about what five offensive coordinators five offensive minds in a period of six or seven years like that's that's pretty brutal um and so it's going to be you know it's amazing that he is as good as he is despite all of that Uh, and that speaks a lot to his, his natural talent and you know just how great of a prospect he kind of was uh you know even at a young age but uh it's it's insane to see how much he's grown. Insane to see him be at the front of the MVP award category. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I, I think the continuity definitely speaks to that. Uh, and, you know, hopefully that he's, hopefully he's not drowning in the playbook as much. And <laughs> they have enough guys to, uh, you know, sort of take some of the load off of him at times. Uh, and, you know, I think the continuity also speaks to Brandon Staley's odds, right? In the same uh, tweet, Nick Cothrell also had him as the second uh, favorite to win coach of the year. Um, so, you know, another year in that system, I think, is both a big positive for Justin Herbert, obviously, but a positive for coaching staff as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And what a great segue to our next topic about Brandon Staley and his second best coach of the year odds. Steven, what's our second topic? All right. Good job, Tyler. <laughs> Going back to your your host roots from the, from the start of the show, I see. Um, yeah, so we'll shift gears here and we'll talk about, uh, you know, kind of the, the big second talk, topic that we have today, which is sorting the Chargers defensive players by tiers. Um, obviously we did this earlier in the week with uh, the chargers offensive players. So we'll break things down with the chargers defensive players. We'll make, uh, that ticker go away as well. Um, so let's get this graphic up here and we'll, uh, we'll get started. Hold up. <laughs> nice. Hey. Um, shut up, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, go back to this. Go back to the other angle. So we're on the side. Okay. Do we like that better or, or, or us at the bottom? Chat vote. Do you want us bigger or more <laughs> hidden? Do you want my face bigger on your screen or smaller? <laughs> I think this is probably the look. Um, I don't know. I think that I think this looks better personally. Sure. Let's do it. Um, hey James, uh, we only talk about relevant news to other teams, so we will not be talking about that. Wah, wah. Um, well, I guess I can put the banner back on here too. Oh, all right. So, uh, where do you want to start, guys? Uh, okay, well, I know where to start. Hold on, <laughs> can we read the tiers first? Yeah, huh? uh, is, is, is it the same tiers or different tiers? Oh, you added a different one from last time. Oops. <laughs> Yeah, I added an extra tier. Okay, I right, got that one out of the way. Um, so I'll go on the list of tiers. Um, yes, I know E comes before F, but leave me alone. Um, <laughs> S is all pro. I consider those usually top three or should be have been an all pro at some point or top five every year. Then we have A, top 10. B, I have above average starter instead of solid starter. I don't know if that makes any difference to anyone. So B is above average starter or number two option. C plus an average starter with upside. C is an average starter or number three option. D is an emergency starter or backup. And F is the roster bubble or practice squad or as more it is more known now, uh, the Joshua Kelly category. And then E is for Emeka Egbule. (laughs) 
<laughs> for those who don't know, uh, go back and watch our show from a few months ago, and, and you'll understand why MK Aguilé has his own spot. Um, all right, so uh, obviously I think the natural place here is to start with Derwin James. Um, he technically has been an all-pro before. It was as a rookie. He was mm-hmm. not an all-pro this past year, but he was a Pro Bowl player, which I think is kind of ridiculous. But, um, you know, it, it is what it is. So, uh, Alex, why don't you kick us off? Where would you put Derwin James? Uh, I put Derwin James in the all-pro tier. Uh, I mean, you know, you can make the argument from his rookie season, he was already that. Um, and I think whether or not you have him as like an actual all pro, it's kind of the same thing we talked about with Justin Herbert last episode. He hasn't technically been an all pro, um, because Brady and Rogers are going to be here for 40 more years. Uh, but, uh, at at the same time, the amount that he does on defense, uh, everything that he's done to come back from the injury that he did and still play at the level he did, um, Derwin James is the, you know undisputed leader of the defense and yeah i think that you have to put him in the all pro category um obviously we'll have to see over the next few years just how his health holds up but right now yeah he's absolutely playing still at that all pro level uh and i I don't Mm -hmm. you could kind of make a debate i think between top 10 and all pro with the amount of you know quality safety talent around the league but i i don't think there are more than three guys that could be ranked above Derwin James. So for me, I'd put him in that all pro tier. Yeah. If I'm talking about Derwin or I'm just talking about safeties and you want me to make this tier with NFL safeties, Derwin James would be, I mean, probably the first name that I'd say, cause I'm a Chargers fan, but if I weren't a Chargers fan, he'd be the third name that I would say at worst. Right. Uh, I do think he belongs here. I think his play warrants that and projecting to this next year when he hopefully stays healthy in the similar scheme with the number of weapons around him. This is, a, this is probably going to be his best year yet, potentially. And so I do think he belongs in here. He's the guy I'm most comfortable saying is top three, top five at his position on this defense. So for reference's sake, you know, I have the all-pro teams up here from last year. Um, first team all-pro safeties from 2021 were Kevin Byard from Tennessee and mm-hmm. Jordan Poyer from Buffalo. And then second team all pro safeties. There were three of them because there was actually a tie. Uh, Justin Simmons was one. Micah Hyde was another one, the other Buffalo safety. And then Buddha Baker was the third safety through a tie, which I just feel like is kind of ridiculous. I hate ties. I wish there's no part in them for sport or there's no part in sports for them. Um, so I think you could, like, for me, Justin Simmons is one of the more underrated players in the league. I mm-hmm. think he's in the conversation mm-hmm. for best safety in the league, unfortunately. I think yeah. the safeties from Buffalo were kind of voted as the all-pro guys because they were, you know, kind of the catalyst for the number one defense last year. So that was more specifically mm-hmm. about the team. I wouldn't necessarily say that those two players are all-pro type players. If you were kind of talking about just talent and statistical impact and things like that. So I think for me, if you're talking about like best safeties, you're talking about Simmons, obviously not talking about Derwin and, you know, kind of the Buddha Baker tier, I think is probably where I would, you know, kind of end that conversation. So for me, Derwin is obviously, you know, an all pro caliber player for my money. He's the best safety in the league. And mm-hmm. I think his impact statistically is just really so rare for what we see from other players because Simmons is kind of your, your ball Hawk player. You know, he's 
one of the more consistent turnover machines in the league over the last few years, but he doesn't necessarily offer you a ton from, you know, man to man coverage or mm -hmm. run support. Same thing can be said about Kevin Byard. I mean, you're talking about Micah Hyde and uh, Jordan Poyer, who more kind of your just Swiss army knife kind of players. So I think for me, Derwin kind of offers you the best of everything where he's going to get his hands on, you know, a few turnovers. He's going to be able to cover tight ends, cover the slot, play the run in the box and all that good stuff. So I think if you're just looking for the guy who does everything mm -hmm. well, I think you're talking about Derwin James more so than anybody else in the league. Yeah. I mean, you hit it perfectly there. You know, I think CD lamb outside of that one you know, garbage catch at the end of the half, have what, like 20 yards because Derwin played the slot. Derwin's got two forced fumbles blitzing off the edge, deep safety, strong safety. I mean, just an all-around player, fantastic everywhere. I'd argue he was their second best edge rusher last year as well. <laughs> I don't know if I would go that far, but he would, he would definitely <laughs> have a conversation. And I can't wait to see more of Derwin in the pass rush aspect of things mm -hmm. this year. Of course, have to give a quick shout out to Tyler's mom, always in the, the super chat, throwing down some uh super chats which we really appreciate so um mm -hmm. i think we should talk about khalil mack next because mm -hmm. you asked brandon staley i think you're kind of talking about <laughs> khalil mack as as kind of a, a better player um i forget which pff writer did it recently but they tiered all of their own players as well and they actually had khalil mack ranked higher than joey bosa i think mack was mm -hmm. third and bosa was sixth so yeah. what do you guys make of mack and his selection so I personally, depends on where you have Joey Bosa, I guess. I would have Joey Bosa higher, and statistically, it does pan out that way. Yeah. Um, I understand that Mac is, you know, has been hurt and there's some issues and playing Chicago or whatever, but you're, you're 19th pass rush productivity, 18th in win rate, 110th in run stop rate. The previous year, you're 5th in win rate, 28th in productivity, 72nd in run stop rate. I'm not saying he's a bad player, like by any means, and I think this is going to be a huge year for him. And I guess you could argue in this year with the projection that he is going to be that S tier all pro. But for right now, and I kind of feel some of the same way about JC Jackson, I do need to see it in powder blue and gold. I do want to see him do this first with the Chargers before I say, okay, that's the all pro. We remember that I remember watching, you know, when we faced the Raiders. So I think that it's definitely in there. And I think he could have that season. So if you put him in all pro, I'd get it. But to me, if anyone of the two edge rushers is going into the all-pro tier, I do think it is Joey Bosa because, A, I've seen it, and B, the numbers back it up much better than it does Mac. And so if Bosa is going into all-pro, I think Mac should belong in, like, that A tier, top 10. Mm, so, okay. I'm not going to say that I think Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack are equally as good because I do mm -hmm. think Joey Bosa is better. But I kind of think they're both in the top 10 tier. Joey, obviously, more towards yeah. the front of that. Khalil Mack right now towards probably, you know, sort, sort of like what we talked about with Keenan Allen and the wide receivers. Like, like, there's probably just so many edge rushers around the league now. And considering he's been injured, Khalil Mack has probably fallen to, like, the back half of that top 10 uh, for mm -hmm. sure, or maybe just slightly outside. But I still think the, he gives you the, the impact of somebody that is a top 10 player. Um, and if he does come back for in, from injuries, he's playing next to Joey Bosa. Uh, like that's going to be to be for success and probably his best season that he's had in a number of years, as long as he can stay healthy. So um, I still think you have to worry about the threat of him, even if he might be on his realistic decline. 
Um, to me, you still have to respect him and what he can do for as a top 10 edge rusher. Um, and I don't know, like it feels weird to put him in like the solid starter option too, because he's like he's one of the most explosive edge players in the league. So still, yeah, you know, yeah. even that in his age. So you know, he's also like yes, he's the number two option to Joey Bosa, but he's also not a normal edge number two option, right? So for mm-hmm. me, I put both of them in the top ten. I think you could make an argument for Joey and all pro, but we'll talk about Joey in a second, I guess. Yeah. So. Like you, like you guys, I think I would have Joey ahead of Khalil at this point. I think he's been more productive and, and stuff like that. But um, the all-pro status for edge rushers is, is you're talking about four players, oh, and yeah. you're t- maybe talking about five, four. Yeah, uh, you know somebody who can kind of be that like next guy. But you know, last year the all-pro edge rushers were T.J. Watt, who was Defensive Player of the Year, Miles Garrett, who was second in that category. And then third team or second team, excuse me, was Robert Quinn, who had like 18 sacks. And then Max Crosby was the this final edge rusher who led the league in pressures, was very productive in his own right. So you're t- you're like you're asking these edge rushers to be like statistical monsters and not just like reputation. And you know, unfortunately right. at this point, I think Joey's reputation kind of outshines his production, if you will, because he's I get just that. so technically refined and, and for whatever reason, Joey does not get the same kind of, you know, cleanup sacks or gimme sacks that some of his peers do. Like you watch TJ Watt in the last week against Cleveland or second to last week against Cleveland and Baker Mayfield or not that I guess that would be second week of the season, not second last week. But anyways, you watch him against the Browns the first time they played and Baker Mayfield literally runs like right into him or, you know, Max Crosby, like it's a free rush and like really should be Yannick Ngakwe's sack, but it really is Crosby's sack statistically so you know like for whatever reason joey just doesn't get that he doesn't get easy sacks he like has to work extra hard so hopefully you know that kind of changes this year with kalumak opposite of him but you know i guess that's my long-winded way of saying that i don't i wouldn't put either of the chargers edge rushers in the all pro category because it's Mm -hmm. just so hard for edge rushers to get up in that category and so i think both of those players could challenge for pro bowls because that 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 category you have like 10 players because of the way that the pro bowl is set up if they do pro bowls this year that is right um so i would put mac and bosa in the top 10 yeah i i completely would see that i i had them both there i I went back and forth with joey bosa in the in the all pro tier obviously easily in the top 10 um because last year the previous year it's hard to say last year now 2020 he was what first in productivity, first in win rate, second in run stop rate, like just amazing. But like you said, it's almost like the reputation. Again, he, he deserves it, but the reputation is almost better than the production because he's just never. It's not a knock on him, but like I, I called him this past season a breakout candidate because I wanted to see Joey Bosa get like that 15, 16 sack sort of season, you know, yeah. and, and again, he finished what six, seventh in pressures. So nothing wrong there. And you don't really measure edge rusher by sack production but i just wanted to see that elite elite production and he's got elite win rates and productivity on like a per play basis but i just want to see a full 17 games you know lead the league in sack sort of performance so i I get it yeah no i I agree with putting bosa top 10 and then we can put Khalil Mack in the same tier um you know this is kind of one of those things where yeah i would put joey above khalil but um at the same time 
I, it doesn't really make sense for me to put one of them in the all pro tier and one of them below. I, I think the difference between them isn't that massive. It's mostly dependent on max health at this point. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the advanced analytics and the analytics in general have always been in favor of Joey Bosa, right? Even though he hasn't had that monster 15, 20 sack season, um, you know, he's always been, I think it's always been for the last couple of years, him, Aaron Donald, having first in pass rush and weight, and then he saw either like two or three with TJ Watt and some of those other guys. Um, so for, for me, there's no way I think you leave either of them below the top 10 tier. They're both in there. Absolutely. Definitely both are 100%. top 10. Um, so we'll do uh, JC Jackson next. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, JC Jackson up there. So for reference's sake, instead of kind of, you know, middle of the conversation, I'll mention the all pro cornerbacks from last year to start. Okay. Uh, first team corners from last year were Trayvon Diggs and Jalen Ramsey. Again, only two here. I wish they would include another spot. So they only have four defensive back spots, which I feel like in mm-hmm. today's NFL, you really should be able to include another one because they have, they have three linebacker spots, which I think is just kind of not indicative of where today's NFL is. Anyways, that's a different conversation. Um, second team all pro cornerbacks this year were J.C. Jackson and A.J. Terrell. So I believe J.C. has at least flirted with the conver- with the all-pro conversation the last mm-hmm. couple of years. He wasn't all-pro last year. So I-, I feel like I am a little hesitant to put him in the all-pro category. Yeah. For, again, kind of similar reasons that I was I talked about heading into the offseason was just like, you know, how much of that was the New England scheme? How mm-hmm. much of it was, you know, playing for Bill Belichick specifically? Yeah. But I think I would lean towards him being all pro, but I wouldn't necessarily feel as confident in it as I do putting Derwin James there. Yeah, this one's tough. I, because sort of like Rashawn Slater, like he also got second team all pro and it's like, okay, you know, you know what he can do. The numbers look pretty good. You know, second in passer rating when targeted, second in reception percentage, seventh in forcing completion rate among the 29 starting corners at that 80% threshold. So the numbers would work, and he has been a second-team All-Pro, and he is paid like one of the better corners, although not top three, I guess, top nine or ten or whatever it is now. Um, So, yeah, like you, I could see it going either way. I guess it's like based on where he was last year or the previous years, I could put him in the S tier. But, again, sort of like Mac, I just – I don't know. Like I kind of want to see him with the Chargers out of New England before I know for sure – but that's kind of a guessing game. Like, why would I think he'd be a worse player? I do think the talent around him is better. So again, but again, Patriots scheme and all that sort of stuff. Um, I could put him in All Pro, but I will I will do that if Alex goes All Pro. If not, then I'll put him in top ten. <laughs> mm, well, yeah, this is a two out of three vote, I guess. Um. I feel comfortable putting him in top 10. I, I think there are cornerbacks that I would take over JC Jackson. Um, I mean, you, you kind of have like your Dylan Ramsey team here. Uh, and sort of like those guys, you know, the other guys. And I think JC comes after that. Um, like the numbers to show for it. If you wanted to make your case. Um, I just don't put him in the same kind of like coverage tiers those guys but um you know i mean obviously he's going to get his interceptions he's missed their interception um you know he's got that big contract now so for me he falls into the top 10 um 
like I guess I just don't think that he's on the same level of cornerback than that Derwin is at safety, for example. Although you can make the case for it, um, similar to the edge rushers, I, I think it's a little bit more debatable. So I don't think it's one of the like truths that we've talked about with like Justin Herbert and Derwin James, where it's just like that's where they belong. I think there's a little bit more ambiguity to it. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I I feel like I would lean towards putting him in the All Pro category. Yeah. But, you know, you look at, like, Jair Alexander is back. You know, you're p- looking at a potential Patrick Sertain leap forward, which, you know, his – if you look at, like, rookie cornerback numbers and then you look at Patrick Sertain's numbers, like, you're having a completely different conversation. Like, it's typically so hard in the NFL to make an impact as a corner, as a rookie, and mm-hmm. Sertain did that. So I think you're talking about a larger pool of players – um, but of course you're talking about JC Jackson, who's led the NFL in interceptions over the last few years. He's been super consistent. So yeah. I think I'm leaning towards all pro to be completely honest, so, yeah. which went exactly against what I just said I would do, whatever Alex put it, <laughs> but like, just, I mean, just drag sure- him to wherever you want to drag him. And I'm not going to fight you on it. Just, just put him, just put him in whatever box you want. Just as long but then as it's tough for me to say that Joey's not an all pro too then, you know, but like, the only thing with JC for me is just I just haven't seen it with the Chargers. And so, but like, is that fair to him or even yeah. Mac? Like, at least Mac, I can, like, the numbers show that not quite a top three guy in the age and the injuries and all that. JC's played like it. So I actually think that some people in the chat are making pretty good points. And I, I mean, again, I'm, I'm in between either. This makes sense to me. You put him here, totally get it. Put him here, totally get it. Um, yeah, let's just, put him. I, let's put him in the All Pro category. And I he think did we'll, just make second team, like yeah. right, right. And you know the the production has been there. And I I think this is. I see what you're saying, but like the reputation of ball production does match for you know JC Jackson. We're not talking about you know right. someone like Trayvon Diggs, for example. I know he was oh, yeah, yeah. first team All Pro, which I think is kind of lame. But you know <laughs> he he led the league in interceptions, but he was also getting cooked you know, from time to time, whereas JC was never really doing that. You know, his his statistical numbers and coverage are fantastic. And, you know, Arjun showed that graph where he's elite in man coverage. He's elite in zone yeah, coverage. Good call. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, maybe this is just me because I was listening to the athletic football show today and they were doing, you know, non-quarterback drafts and they were talked about all these corners and they didn't mention JC like a single time, not even like the other hmm. others receiving votes category. So I think there is some like national doubt about JC. Right. But if he plays at the level that we kind of expect him to, and the Chargers also play at the level we expect them to, then there really is no reason that JC won't be an all pro, whether that's first or second team. Yeah, I can get behind yeah. that. Uh Jerry Tillery. <laughs> <laughs> right, we can't go from that. we can't go from spectrum to spectrum like that like let, let's let's ease into the the shitty category let's start with like let's say let's say that. jerry tillery for the end of the show <laughs> <laughs> like let's go with like Nas or sebastian joseph day or somebody next and, you know, Ooh, the, i want to talk about now. sebastian well i want you guys to debate sebastian joseph day or talk about it how did you guys rationalize this coming into the show because like there's so many different ranges he could be well not really but like what if he were in top ten? Why? Like, where did you guys rationalize yeah. putting him? Like, where did you guys? Because the run stop rate, if you're just looking at his role as a run defender, I mean, he should be like all right. pro. Right. But it's it's the whole package. So, how did you guys work through that? 
Yeah, so I actually, uh, you know, like I said earlier, I just got to interview uh, Sebastian and Morgan Fox's, you know, off-season position coach. So, you know, stay tuned for that interview. Um, you know, and I do feel like Sebastian Joseph Day is an underrated pass rusher. Um, you know, of course, you know, I shared this uh, a couple of other episodes ago. You know, his uh, 17 game pace from last season was like 35 pressures, eight or nine sacks, or something like that. So he can produce as a pass rusher. I just don't know really if that pace would like actually hold up because he is such, you know, more of a run defender. So you you make a really good point. This kind of depends on how you want to split up the defensive mm-hmm. tackle room because, you know, Chris Jones is an elite pass rushing defensive tackle, but he's a lousy run defender and often doesn't play first downs. Whereas somebody like Sebastian Joseph Day is an elite run defender, maybe not necessarily a, a high-end pass rusher. So mm-hmm. I think for me, I would keep him in the range where you're at right now as, as an above average starter. Um you know, and be able to be kind of the a combination of both, but not necessarily an elite pass rusher, which I do place more value on to put in like the top 10. Mm-hmm. So I'm comfortable leaving Sebastian Joseph Day in the B range right where you have him. Yeah, I'm fine with leaving him in the B range too. And I think it's kind of hard, like Steven said, to find guys who are like both complete great pass rushers and great run defenders, like at the defensive tackle position nowadays. Right. Um, so, right. I mean, for a long time, we talked about like, okay, Aaron Donald has obviously been the best defensive tackle in the league. But then after that, for years, I feel like it was, okay, then there's Chris Jones, then there's Fletcher Cox. But like Fletcher Cox is not pass rusher. Chris Jones, as Steven said, is kind of a lousy run defender. So it's like what they, you know, you sort of highlight what they're good at. And then maybe, you know, they're sort of okay at what they're not, but it's not quite yeah. their strength like it is with those guys. So I think Sebastian... Joseph Day sort of falls in that category, right? Um, not quite like the complete pass rusher you would want. Um, if he does develop in that, right, you can sort of see him going further, right? And like Tyler said, he's already such an elite run defender that like it's not even funny at this point. Uh, so, you know, you could kind of see him like being on the edge of that top 10. But I think when you're judging the whole package, he probably, you know, would not be around there. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm I'm cool with B for Sebastian Joseph Day. Kind of feels like B plus top ten based on what you're debating. Yeah. But overall, this is yeah that makes sense to me. No knock on him. He's going to be a great defender. It's just it's hard to place him in a top ten. Yeah, and I think if you're, you know, the NFL has shown us that you you've got to be at least a high end pass rusher to be kind of in that top ten conversation. You know, last year's uh, All Pro players were. Obviously, Aaron Donald uh, and Cam Hayward were first team, and then second team was Chris Jones and Jeffrey Simmons, who I, th- I think you're talking about those elite pass rushers in that conversation. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if he kind of flirts with the top 10, I, I think that's certainly possible, similar to how like an Eric Armstead can have like a really right. good season. And maybe you're talking about like a top 12, 13 kind of defensive tackle, but I think at his best, he's probably a, a, an above average starter. So, um, should we do his running mate, uh, Austin Johnson next? Sure. So I, go ahead, Tyler. No, I just, people in the chat are wondering why I keep putting that like, Oh, he's not average. I, I'm just throwing them on the board and then we can discuss it. Just people in the chat who are freaking <laughs> out. I'm just throwing them on the board for now. He yeah. might be here, but Alex, where are you at with Austin Johnson? Austin Johnson. Um, 
I probably keep him in the in the C tier. Um, I, I think you could make an argument that like, ooh, if we're just talking about him like exclusively as like front defender, maybe you move him up. But as as a pass rusher, like not much skill there. Plus, he's already been in the league for a certain amount of time, so you also can't really like put him in the with upside category. But I mean, still a great upgrade over what they have. It's gonna feel. It's going to feel a little bit mean to put him in the C tier. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think it should be. I just think there's like a difference between the kind of player that like Sebastian Joseph Day is and, and where Austin Johnson is at this point. Um, salaries aren't that different as the, as the Chargers made clear in free agency. Mm-hmm. And we were surprised that just how much uh, Austin Johnson got on the show. But, um, you know, I, I do think the actual production value, I put Sebastian Joseph Day in nudge above him so you know by definition i think austin johnson just kind of winds up in the c tier yeah i think that's totally fair i would have austin johnson below sebastian joseph day as well um i think part of why sebastian didn't get a higher contract is of course the injury and you know coming off of the torn pack and um you know austin johnson had a career season so i think some of that is definitely part and, yeah. and relevant to Absolutely. the contract so I think Austin Johnson, after studying him, like I think he's a really, really solid run defender. Mm-hmm. I think his pass rush is essentially kind of, I don't want to say non-existent, but it's not necessarily something I'm right. banking on. I think it'll be an improvement over like, you know, Linval Joseph was last year and the year before that. But, you know, I think Austin's role is much more clearly defined. And whereas mm. I would expect Sebastian to be kind of the the consistent uh, you know, leader in snaps probably of this defensive tackle room where I feel like Austin is probably t- coming off of the field for pass rushing situations. He's almost exclusively going to be a run defender. And there's obviously value in that, especially in the Chargers scheme. So I think you have him right here in the average starter category, kind of in a similar tier to like an Ode Abuji type of player where he's just like a stabilizing force, really mm-hmm. solid player. Um, not necessarily going to be like an elite upside kind of guy, but uh, brings a lot of value to a unit that needs to just be like solid. So I think leaving Austin Johnson in the average starter category is perfectly fine. Yep. No complaints here. Totally get it. Below Sebastian Joseph Day. Totally understand. Uh, all right. We had a question about where the Chargers interior pass rush is coming from. So where it's going to come from is from Morgan Fox. Uh, again, <laughs> good friend of. Sebastian Joseph Day. So, um, you know, I think his interior pass rush is pretty underrated around the league. Mm-hmm. Brandon Staley in his uh, OTA press conference called him a starter in known pass situations, uh, which I thought okay. was pretty interesting that he kind of viewed him in that regard. Uh, again, referencing, you know, my interview with uh, his position coach, Ed, they feel like Morgan Fox got kind of screwed out of an additional sack uh, from their game at Tampa Bay in 2020 because Tom Brady got uh, a sack fumble called as an incomplete pass. And so (laughs) no kidding. uh, (laughs) So if that had gone the other way, you're talking about, you know, 34 total pressures and eight sacks for Morgan Fox in 2020. Again, you know, you could make that argument about every player. Right. But uh, I thought it was funny how he had specifically brought that up, but I would put Morgan Fox because I just mentioned the value of pass rushing. Mm -hmm. I would put him in plus starter with upside because I think in his best case scenario, playing alongside Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, you're talking about a player that's going to have a ton of one-on-one situations. And last year, the chargers had those situations. They just didn't have a player capable of taking advantage of those situations. 
now you're talking about Morgan Fox, a player with proven production in this kind of scheme. So I think at his best, you're talking about a player with like 40 total pressures, eight or nine sacks, mm-hmm. maybe challenge for 10 and potentially earn a nice little contract somewhere else or with the Chargers. I don't know. But I think, again, that pass rushing upside for me would, would kind of put him in that C-plus category. That'd be great. Um, yeah, I do. Like, right in between, because of that pass rush, I'm right there with you. C-plus, average starter with upside. We don't really know he's going to be the starter as is. Technically, he could just beat the D category this year. But I do <laughs> sure. think, if things play out, that he, in that C-plus category, works out really well. Yeah, um, I I think the upside makes sense in this sense because, you know, he does have that pass rush ability and you're talking about what he is relative to the other interior pass rushers they had. So, like, he's absolutely an upgrade over them. And I think relative to the Chargers, we already talked about he's going to be playing next to Joey Bosa and Cleo Mack. I think that elevates him as well. So I, because of his pass rush ability, sort of have him over Austin Johnson in that regard. And I, I think it makes sense because he's a new addition to the team and because of how improved his pass rushing is going to be over really any Chargers interior pass rusher the last four or five years. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, he, he he's definitely going to be better than what we've had around here. All right. So uh, off to a good start. We'll speed up the pace a little bit here. I think two players that are kind of tough for me to place at this point um, are Nasir Adderley and Asante Samuel Jr., mm-hmm. Uh, based off of, you know, Adderley has basically zero ball production, but I think his tape is really, really solid. So it's like, okay, if he can finally figure out how to come down with some of these interceptions, then you're talking about, you know, kind of a a Sebastian Joseph Day level kind of player. Mm -hmm. But again, his one interception was a complete gift from Drew Brees. So I'm curious (laughs) to get your guys' thoughts here on Nasir Adderley. Yeah, I mean... Okay, so just looking at the numbers, you know, he did improve 21st out of 62 at run stop rate, you know, tied for 12th and forced in completion rate. Uh, but then there's like 37th in missed tackle rate, 61st out of 65 in passer rating when targeted. Um, and like you said, the production, the fact that I can name the game, the week, the quarterback, the team <laughs> where he got his interception and the fact that it was a gimme. Is not great. Now you can see him flying all over the field and almost making plays against yeah. Washington football team, against um, the Raiders in week 18. They're almost there, but they're not made yet. So to me, I could see him like, I don't know how I can group him with other safeties. I just, in this certain range, I don't know where he would fit unless I'm looking at stats. I think he can be that above average starter easily, a number two option. But until he kind of, puts it all together i do feel like he's that c plus with me where i think he's a, a good starter an average starter there's a lot of upside there but he hasn't quite reached it yet so i don't think i can put him in sebastian joseph day's tier just yet because i know at least sebastian joseph day two years in a row is number one in run stop right and he's very very good at that Adderley doesn't quite have that yet nor does he have the experience or the, the, the timeline i guess of being that high level of a safety just yet. Yeah, I mean, I think the upside, uh, you know, debate is sort of interesting because, I mean, this is, uh, I guess, really when you think about it, because he did miss his rookie year, this is going to be his third year sort of in the league. If we're talking about sort of last year of his rookie deal, but third year's, um, you know, played. Um, I do think a lot of this does come down to ball production as to why he's not higher, because like as Steven said, you look at the t- 
tape and it's like, okay, he, he beat him here, here, but just couldn't come down with the ball, right? And the fact that Tyler said that we know exactly when the Adderley's interception happened um, is sort of uh, a telltale sign of, you know, his struggles with catching the ball. But, um, you know, overall, a good safety. The other thing I think to debate with the upside category is they did just take JT Woods in the third round. Which, I mean, if you're talking about specifically how the Chargers are going to see Ratterly and his breakout potential, I think is pretty significant. Um, but obviously, you know, he's our, he's a good safety. I think the C-plus is fair with upside. I just don't know if that upside is going to be realized by the Chargers based on, you know, the direction that they've gone in recently. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is relevant. And, you know, it's going to be really fun to watch, but also you know, curious to see how the ball production does come about because, you know, if they want to put Nasir a little bit more in the box, JT Woods kind of deep, you know, maybe Woods comes down with the interceptions and you're not really seeing much, if any, ball production from Nas again. Um, you know, I think Jay Blue and um, make sure I get the name right, Dual 12, kind of making some good points about Nas just being in the right position and not necessarily making mm-hmm. those plays. I think if you even watch like the Cleveland Browns game, which was statistically like his worst game. And he had like four or five missed tackles. He was always right there. And, you know, it was just like just a smidge late on David Njoku or just a smidge late Mm -hmm. on Rashard Higgins to make these plays. So um, I I think the upside is there. And I I wouldn't put him, I would not put Nasir Adderley in the Jerry Tillery, Kenneth Murray category at this point, because Nas is at least a solid player. No, this is specifically about a comment from NFL right here about, Turning it around, yeah. Um, And and again, don't mean to single NFLs lit out or by any means, but um, Nasir Adderley is a solid NFL player. Like I feel Mm -hmm. comfortable with him as a starting caliber player. Where I I want Jerry Tillery on the bench as much as possible at this point. (laughs) So I think they're in two very different categories in this world. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I get you. Okay, Asante Samuel Jr. Where'd you guys end up uh, working with this guy? Alex, why don't you take that one first? Um, I mean, I feel like you have to put him in the uh, <laughs> average. I mean, average starter with upside category. Is that what we're? Oh God, oh, there's cats outside. I don't know what's going on over there. <laughs> oh my God, we got birds and cats. Oh, I don't know what's happening over there. Um, okay, I yeah, I put him in the average starter with upside category. Uh. Can he, you know, sort of become like the CB? I mean, I sort of think he is the CB2 at this point, uh, as opposed to JC Jackson, who's the CB1. But uh, we sort of just have to see it from him. Like, we know he can take that leap, like Tyler sort of indicated before. Uh, but I, I do think that this is the right category for him. Um, also, have to see sort of how they use him, I guess, how much he's going to be playing outside, how much he's going to be playing in the slot. Uh, so I, I would take ASJ in this category as well. Can be certainly very quickly into that Sebastian Joseph Day B category. 
Yeah, I had him at C plus as well. I, I think I just need to see a little bit more from him, see him obviously healthy on the field consistently. What he does in forcing completion rate, being one of the best in the league, fantastic. There's just some other things he's got to clean up, whether it be kind of some costly penalties, him being the second worst missed tackle rate of all starters last year. Um, some things will be cleaned up for sure, but you can't deny like he's got the upside. If you're talking about upside being, you know, pass production for Morgan Fox, then getting your hands on the football for Asante Samuel Jr., that's definitely his upside. I just think this is like a year three thing for him where he'll, we're going into year three where he'll be, you know, we can move him up eventually. But for now, going to year two, I think C-plus is perfect. Yeah, you know, I think it really is a shame that he got injured because I think he was kind of turning towards being, you know, an above-average starter this season. And then I think the concussion kind of just messed with him a little bit. Like, I, I would be pretty surprised if Asante Samuel Jr. was that low and missed tackle rate again. You know, knowing how I felt about him in college and knowing what um, how Brandon Staley has kind of viewed him. And so, again, it's just so hard as a rookie to come into the NFL and be an above average starter right away. And so I think the upside is certainly there. I think you're talking potentially about the breakout player of the year on the defense and, and kind of that player who's maybe takes the biggest leap of anyone on the defense. Granted, again, most of the defense is going to be a lot of veteran players that don't have necessarily a ton of young guys coming into the team or, or so Sade is really the, I think the category for breakout player this year, which we'll of mm -hmm. course get into. But I think, again, you're talking about somebody that could have a significant amount of ball production, be a solid coverage player, be solid run, run defender and, and make that jump into uh above average starter category. So uh, I haven't done any of the linebackers yet. I think, obviously, I, th I think we are, we're all in agreement that Drew Tranquil is probably the best linebacker on the roster. So let's start with Tranquil. And uh, I think I'm kind of curious to see where Tyler is feeling with this one first. I, I don't, he's like average. He's, he's good at some things, not some great at some other things. There are moments where he completely dominates a game. And there, there were moments early last year where we were trying to get Kenneth Murray off the field, or we wanted Kenneth Murray off the field because Tranquil was dominant. And there's some moments where it's not so great. And then he's injured. Um, I don't see him as an emergency starter. He's I definitely think, a starter. Yeah. So I, I have him as an average starter for now. If you want that upside to be pass rush and maybe some coverage ability, maybe. But I think at this point, he's kind of just settled in as a solid average starter. Yeah. I think if you're kind of sorting a, a player with upside you're talking about somebody that can make that leap up into above average starter mm -hmm. i don't know if drew has that yeah i see that that makes sense yeah I, I think he just is what he is at this point um you know which is obviously a very effective pass rusher um sometimes can drop into coverage like obviously the best linebacker on this team which isn't saying a whole lot but definitely the guy with the most experience who's kind of been here the longest. Um, I, I do sort of wonder what Drew Tranquil's career like kind of would have been with the Chargers had he not gotten hurt in 2020 uh, and yeah. just the whole year, right? Like we could be talking about something completely different. But at this point, I think he's settled into his role. I don't really think there's like an upside breakout season coming for Drew Tranquil, but um, he, he's definitely the best linebacker they have. So by default, I do think he kind of has to go into the C tier. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think we can comfortably put Troy Reader in the emergency starter backup conversation as well. Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if there's a whole lot to debate mm -hmm. here with Troy Reader. I think he 
you know, is just that. Like, I, I feel would feel pretty bad about my linebacker room if he was like the best linebacker on the team. But I think he's a fine backup. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I am again a little confused about the process there. I don't want to rehash, you know, old <laughs> news, but I'm fine with placing him there. Yeah. I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with putting him there. The difficult conversation with him is like, we sort of are like, oh, if he's linebacker four, if he's linebacker five, if he's just depth, then that's fine. But I think we've all sort of gotten the feeling just based on our linebackers have been injured and based on Brandon Staley's comments and the specific desire to go after Troy Reader, that Troy is probably going to end up playing a lot more than an emergency backup, right? So like, that's sort of the troubling thing, I think, with trying to find him. Um, Quality-wise, I think he's in the D tier in terms of the amount of snaps that he's actually going to end up playing in the role he's going to have on defense, you know, that part is probably actually ranked a little bit higher. I don't know. Yeah, I guess we'll see. I mean, that range of outcomes is pretty big for him. Right. All right, speaking of a uh, big range of outcomes, uh, <laughs> where are we putting Kenneth Murray? <sighs> okay, me personally, because part of this is projection, I do think <laughs> it's so tough. Like, Okay, so he plays like this, will probably be this, but he has upside. So, like, where do you, you know... How do you draw a line? Right. Uh, I think he, if I were to... Like, he does have upside, but he also has an awful floor right now, potentially, too. Right. Um, He is going to start, first off. We're talking about role. He is going to be the starter. Um, I think this year he ends up clocking in at here. And I think I'm, you know, does this categorize him as a breakout season? Not really, but it'd be a much improved season for him. And I just think with the stability on and off the field, I think he can settle in at C. I, I, I could put him at upside, but like Asante Samuel Jr. is still, okay, let's say a top 20, 25 corner. Is Kenneth Murray one of the worst linebackers in the league last year? Yeah, kind of. So I can't really put him up here with some guys that can actually hang and start and did last year. So to me, he kind of fits in that C range because I think he can get there this year, but based on his play, he shouldn't be in the C tier, but I think he can get to the C tier. Yeah. I think this is the challenging thing to like doing these tier lists in general is you get some of the gray areas like, well, I wouldn't really say Kenneth Murray is as good as Drew Tranquil, but he's kind of right. in the same tier because I don't want to put him in the D tier. I also yeah. need to, see the upside before I put him in the upside tier, given that he's been injured and given that he didn't finish the end of last year too strong. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with putting him in this tier for now. Yeah, I I think you guys hit the nail on the head there. So we'll go uh, back up front a little bit, talk about Kyle Van Noy. I think you can talk about Kyle Van Noy in a similar range as... I don't know. Like, I don't know how much upside he has left. So I think you probably slot in Kyle Van Noy in that average starter category, even though he's not necessarily a real starter. But right. again, putting him as like an emergency backup just feels wrong. So I don't know. Yeah. That's where I'm at. I, I think Kyle Van Noy is going to be a very valuable piece for this team. So because of that, I would put him kind of there. I could see an argument because we have seen that, you know, full time edge rusher role from him. In 2019, when he had, I think, 52 total pressures and eight sacks, which I think would be qualify for average starter with upside. But I think this version of Kyle Vinoy is probably in that same 
Austin Johnson, Drew Tranquil kind of range. Yeah, I think with him, like the upside for him is okay. He can cover. He's he can use him on different places. That's the upside, but I think that's kind of canceled out by the age, the drop in production, him being, and then just a true number three. Like he's going to be the number three guy here. So I do think that, like, yes, there is upside to Kyle Van Noy, but I think there are other things that detract from his overall value. Where I think average starter number three option is fine, and that's that. Hey, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, I, I think you probably put Kyle Van Noy. I almost sort of want to put him in like the the B category because if you're talking about him as the number mm, two option, okay. like I I do think there's an argument that if Khalil Mack wasn't on this team, for example, like Kyle Van Noy mm-hmm. would be the Chargers' number two edge rusher right now. I don't think he'd be like the number two guy on like a majority of teams, but there's probably like ten teams where Kyle Van Noy would be the number two edge rusher. Um, so kind of depends on the role you're giving him. Obviously on some teams, he would be more of the standard linebacker on the chargers. He is more of a standard pass rusher. Um, as far as upside, right? Like, you know, he is what he is at this point, but depends on his usage. Um, and obviously depends on kind of where you play him on the field. Like the chargers right. are deciding to play him at edge versus, you know, how another team or the Patriots would have used him more specifically. Um, so I could see putting him in the B category, but I'm fine with keeping him in the C for the time being. Yeah, I think obviously a lot of his upside kind of depends on if people in front of him are healthy or not, unfortunately. Absolutely, for him. So, right. Um, I think putting him in that category is right based off of where he is at in his career and on this team, but I think like that doesn't necessarily quantify his real value, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, right. Okay, should we do... Uh, Michael Davis next or Bryce Callahan? I think Michael Davis is an interesting discussion. Yeah. Uh, it, it's so like, okay, at this point, is he probably an average starter? Yeah, like, I don't think he's an emergency starter. That feels kind of harsh. Um, he did finish the season like an emergency starter and a guy that didn't play that well. But I feel like with the injury and then I think there was COVID and then some other injury or whatever, that kind of made things really difficult. I did a, a mailbag for this. In the first five weeks, he was fantastic. I I have him as a C plus because okay, like he's an average starter on the on the other side, like he legit could cover Stefan Diggs. Like there's upside there. Yeah. And he did cover two of the best tight ends in the league and only give up 46 yards or whatever it was. I think there's enough upside there where that's where I would put him. Also, he just he has some of the physical tools on this team to have some upside as is. Um, you know, is he, he might be the number two option this year, but right now I think he's just an average starter with a lot of upside. Yeah, I mean, well, he's probably sort of, peaked, but right. His role can have some upside. Yeah, I think I think his role can have some upside. I think Michael Davis is sort of what he is at this point right now. Um, I don't think he's going to get significantly better or have some kind of like breakout season. Um. Yeah, I, I could put him in either probably like C or B. Like I, I that's sort of where I would see him at this point. But I think the mm-hmm. coaching staff has showed that they value him more as a C right now. Um I could be sold on the idea that he has upside, but also like they have all made off an awful lot of moves in the secondary for a team that used to consider Michael Davis C B one. Right, so yeah. that's also just kind of the idea that like 
they don't really consider him their you know quarterback of the future or like a, a possible breakout season for him. I, I don't know if that's something they consider. So I'm fine with putting him in the C tier for now. Yeah, he's in a, he's kind of similar. How I feel about him is kind of similar to Kenneth Murray, but yeah. I think like his floor is much higher. So I'm, I'm right. kind of yeah. Like I think if we get 2020 Michael Davis, then you could put him, you know, right next to Asante Samuel Jr. But mm-hmm. I yeah. think you probably end up again. This is this is probably the one that we most need some training camp clarification on. Absolutely, what is his role. So I think for now, I would kind of lean towards putting him in the C category as well, like Alex. Okay. Yep, I yeah. totally understand that. And then if we if we figure out in training camp, or if the team figures out in training camp that you know, he's the number two and Asante Samuel Jr. is kind of the first one off the bench. Then, you know, we can kind of revisit this and, and swap those two players, I guess. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. All right. So now we got uh, a bunch of backups, some some good quality <laughs> depth options. Uh, I don't know if we'll cover all of these guys, but uh, or if we do, maybe Rapid we'll fire. talk about them. Rapid fire. Pretty quickly. So uh, let's, let's do JT Woods first, and then we'll get to... Uh, Mr. Not showing up to OTAs, and I feel like that's a good spot for him. So, uh, Alex, where are you putting JT Woods right now? Um, I think you probably have to put him in um, probably the upside category to start by default. Like, I mean, I think you could sort of argue him being because, I mean, it, it this depends if it's if for 2022 or 2023 because I do think if you're talking about 2022, he still does have that upside. He is going to play a lot as the third safety in that rotation. Um, mm-hmm. 2023, I mean that's you know sort of what you're aiming for after Nasir Adderley leaves too. So he feels I could get why someone would say D tier because he's not really a good starter yet, right? He's more mm-hmm. depth kind of backup in his first year, but I think the role he's going to play. Um, and his importance to this team going forward. I think you sort of have to put him in the upside tier by default. Uh, Tyler, I think you grabbed Jaw Taylor instead of JT. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Sorry. There we go. There you go. I think because of his ball production, I think you kind of I, – I, I'm with Alex here, or the potential of ball production. I think you, you do kind of have to put him here. I know he's not necessarily going to play a ton of snaps to be considered like a true starter. But, like, if JT Woods has, like, four interceptions this year, then I think we feel really good about his his rookie season. Right. But also, you know, do they lean more corner-heavy with Callahan and Michael Davis if, if everybody's healthy? So I do have questions about, like, his snap percentage role. But, you know, if everything hits, right, then I think this is kind of his ceiling. Mm-hmm. But kind of by, like, pure definition, he's he is an emergency starter backup. I don't know. So I kind of lean yeah. more towards the floor here, but Tyler, I'm curious your thoughts here. Yeah. I just think because like, I'm looking at the guys that are in the C plus category and I've seen them play football. I'm, I'm not saying that I wouldn't like we put Zion Johnson with other guys who have played football, but I, I think JT Woods where I had him as like a third round grade, but probably should have been like a fourth based on film, but there is that upside. And that's kind of why I give him the third round grade yeah. because there's that athletic upside. There's the ball production. But his ball production is stable year to year. It's not. So I'm not saying he won't have seven interceptions. That'd be great. But I just don't know if we can count on that all the time. 
until we see it in the NFL. So to me, honestly, because he, by definition, is not a starter, I have him in the D category. It'd be like a D plus category if we have one, really. Sure. But I, I, sure. But I think he, for me, he fits in the D category. Yeah, I agree. Let's put in there. And then I think we can also put Taylon Campbell there. Don't really feel like we need to talk a whole lot about him. Um, mm-hmm. I think you could probably put Tito there as well. Very similar to JT Woods, right? Like D, but yeah. probably you know D plus if we had one. Um, Christian Covington in that same situation, maybe. Yeah, I mean, that that's basically like he yeah. is the classic emergency starter backup for this team. So that makes sense i'm fascinated of where you're about to all put jerry tillery so i can't wait to get to that <laughs> okay so i know i said we'd do tillery next and then i rattled off four other players but uh let's get to jerry tillery right now alex why don't you uh take <laughs> us off here egg belay tier <laughs> okay everybody date my sister if jerry tillery <laughs> dated my sister that'd be the best thing he's ever done <laughs> Can you imagine though how like conflicted you would feel about this? No, I would. I, I would. I'm, I'm glad they declined his fifth year option. <laughs> if that were the case. All right, let me just look up. Uh, I just want to find pass rush stuff before I. He's like 60th to 70th in pass rush stuff, and then like 120 something in run stop. Yeah, I know he's awful in run stuffing, but I just want to see. Oh God! I didn't realize he was down this far. Jesus! <laughs> Are you scrolling? <laughs> so I, I filtered it to. I mean, obviously for total pressures, it wouldn't do that much. But oh, this is regular and postseason. Okay, let me do just regular. All right, PFF, come on. Really? Why are you taking so long? Um, uh, chat while you're watching and listening. Uh, where do you have Jerry Tillery? <laughs> Should I make a special category? Um, uh, what do you guys think? I mean, okay, in reality, see, like, I don't know, you probably put him in like D tier in actuality, but he's not gonna get cut, so you wouldn't put him in E tier. So, I want to send a message by putting him. In the, egg, in the egg light here. I got him. He wouldn't be enough. Okay, so PFF finally loaded. So if you filter PFF to uh, pass rushing stats for just defensive tackles who have 50% of their team's pass rushing snaps, uh, Jerry Tillery, the, the actual pass rusher, supposedly, uh, 31 total pressures, which is uh, tied with Christian Wilkins, a run-stuffing nose tackle. Uh, Bilal Nichols, who just signed with the Raiders as well, and forty-seven-year-old uh, Calais Campbell. Oh, he's for where so he's he's behind Greg Gaines, a run-stuffing nose tackle. He's behind Osa Odegazua, who was a rookie last year. He's behind Indomitian Sue. Sheldon Richardson. I mean, you get the picture. I feel like I'm piling on at this yeah. point. But. Yeah, I mean, you said Bilal Nichols. I wouldn't be shocked if he had a worse run-stop rate than Bilal Powell. Like, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. This is rough. I didn't realize it was this rough in pass rush. You know, I, I guess it's been a while since I looked at this. He has a worse pass rush win rate than Derek Brown. And I just oh, talked about Austin Johnson not being a great pass rusher. 
Austin Johnson has a pass rush win rate of eight, and Jerry Tillery has one of 8.8. So he's barely oh. a better pass rusher than Austin Johnson at this point in the career. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That I just think the broke DTR my brain a little bit. A, a good spot for him. Uh, he just uh, has tumbled. Maybe last year we even put him in like the C plus average start yeah. with upside. It's just it's 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 D. People are talking about him being cut. I just don't think that happens. I don't think it's even no. worth it to the team to do that. Um, I don't think he's so, so not roster bubble, not practice squad, um, unless he is throwing some sort of fit. But I don't think that's happening. I just think he's in the D category right now, unfortunately. Guys, I didn't realize it was that bad. <laughs> oh, uh, it's yeah, it's always felt so, that bad. <laughs> and I'm curious how many of his. I wish Arjun were in the chat. How many of his pressures were true earned pressures and not generated pressures on say right. a stunt loop twist, whatever. Uh, I remember having like, oh. conversations with Arjun like during the season where it was like, Oh, Tillery had four pressures, but really only two of them were legit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And again, we could probably go through for a lot of players and do that, but Tillery, it never, sure. unless he's playing the chiefs or the Bengals, it never really <laughs> feels like they're consistent. So yeah, yeah. D I, that's where I'd put him former first round pick at a D that whole class really. And just really the last couple of drafts, you know, we don't have anybody they drafted in the last couple of drafts in, you know, B a all pro, which is fine, I guess. But, you know, we're, we're like banking on Adderley. We're banking on Samuel jr. And everybody else like Tillery down here, you know, tranquil, actually tranquil being a C is good, but yeah, that's fine. And, and, I mean, if Kaiser White were still on this team, I feel like you feel fine there too. But mm. man, it's bad. Who's that uh, f- player on the far left there? This is Amen. Okay, I'm- so we'll run through these really quickly. I think you could put Amen as an emergency starter backup as well. Although the team reportedly likes him, I think you could put uh, Ja Taylor, who they drafted there. Sorry, now you put him at the end there. I think you could put Chris Rumpf in that same category. Um, <laughs> the in and out burger is Braden Foco, right? Yep, so he's an interesting <laughs> one because his production says that he's a, a solid right. starter, at least as a run defender. But I feel like he's also on the roster bubble, unfortunately. Yeah, he played like a 50 snaps. I mean, they view him like the way they have it currently is as geez, I'm gonna put him in his own category. Um, no, no, no there are the <laughs> others there too. Okay. Yeah, like they didn't have him be an emergency. Well, I think he was maybe an emergency starter for a bit against the Steelers. Otherwise, he really wasn't. Like to this team, he's in the F tier. I could put him in that D category because, but like just where he stands with the roster, I do think he's in this that that tier. Even though, like you said, when he plays, he should be in like the C tier at least. But he just doesn't play that much. Yeah, I I I, I would rather have Fahoko over Christian Covington, um, but I just feel like Brayden's kind of looking on the on the outside, looking in. Unfortunately, uh, yeah. so next to him, I think you could put Gaziano and Forrest Merrill. Yeah, as well as Dean Leonard. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that last picture Nick Neiman or is he the second one now? Nick Neiman's on the right. So I think you can put Neiman next to Rumpf, right? Yeah. 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 At, at this point, that is what he is. Honestly, I would, like, if I had to try to 
sort out this group over here, I might put Amen down here as like yeah. outside looking in. It depends how many linebackers they keep. If they keep five, then he's making the roster, and he is an emergency starter, and was. So, but it's fine. Who cares, really? All right. So Bryce Callahan. Uh, I'm gonna go left to right. It's Bryce Callahan, Mark Webb, Alohi Gilman. Uh, I think we can put Alohi Gilman in E tier. <laughs> Come on, that's not, that's mean. Yeah, that is reserved wait. for specific people. Oh no! Wait, no. Put Neiman next that, to Dean Larry. I, I, no, sorry, sorry, I read that wrong. Someone swapped the E and the F like they were talking about earlier. I meant to put him in the the roster bubble tier. Uh yeah. the yeah, <laughs> that makes more sense. Not not the E E tier, but the yeah the, the light blue one. Yeah, uh, put okay. put a low E next to Dean Leonard because like. I think yeah, you have a hard time so. picturing them keeping more than four safeties this year, and they didn't draft a Lohi, which mm-hmm. essentially would mean that the 2020 class is literally Justin Herbert and a whole lot of nothing else. But, you know, Lohi being a six-round pick and kind of carrying the back end of that draft is not really fair, fair for him. Mm-hmm. And I do think there is some upside here to potentially challenge for a roster spot. Sure. But I think Mark Webb just can do more things, and I think he can do more yeah. things – well again we, we barely saw him right but right just how i feel about my evaluation of the draft prospects so i would put webb as an emergency starter backup next i put him there too yeah that's fine by me and then uh final one here bryce callahan i think you kind of have to put him right next to michael davis yeah, yeah I can I, i'm that. fine putting him in the seat here because yeah, i think he- at his I think he has some upside, right? But I think the main thing here is can he stay healthy mm-hmm. for 10 games at least to kind of give you some value? Obviously, if he doesn't, then you're talking about, you know, again, he has that injury waiver clause for a, a reason. Mm-hmm. But I think if he is kind of your starting slot, then he could be up higher on this list. If he's Michael Davis's backup, then you're talking about where he is right now. So yeah, I feel good about the player and the value and the depth, but. I don't know if he how high he really can be on this list with the injuries and just kind of the lack of defined role right now. Yeah, uh, yeah. I totally get it. Cool. That's our interestingly skewed uh, tier set here. I wish I could flip it <laughs> so I can see it kind of a different way, but no you members of the draft. Other angle, put us at the bottom. Can you do that another way? I don't think so. Is that what different is enough? <clears throat> oh, oh, no, sorry. I meant like uh, flip the graph. So oh, okay. So like do a, like vertically yeah. almost. Yeah, but whatever. So no um, members of the 2021 cl- or 2022 class outside of the D tier or above the D tier. Unless you count. I think that's just more about the role, though, because totally I mean, yeah. Woods is not a starter, but I feel good mm-hmm. about his instant projection as a six DB. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they also didn't have a second round pick, so I mean that kind of right. corresponds to that as well. All right. Any uh, if anyone in the chat still left has uh, any gripes with any of the players, uh, speak your piece now in the chat. Alex, Tyler, anybody that you feel like we should move around before we end today's show? Hmm. Um, I do agree with the chat that Joey Bosa belongs up here, but I also understand why we didn't put him up there as well. I'm surprised that Chris Rumpf being down here wasn't again contested. Um, I completely agree. Like he was one of the worst Ed rushers in terms of pass rusher uh, in the league last year, so that makes sense. 
Yeah. Um, otherwise, I, I basically agree. It was it was either one spot above or below when we were talking about it that I maybe disagreed, but otherwise, I, you know, for the most part, I'm I'm all there. Rainer Code says we missed a player. Did we? Yeah, I can't Did think we? of who we. I mean, we did miss players. Like there are players that I'm not including on here. Don't get me wrong. Like Kimon Hall, um, I just think he's like off the roster. Ben DeLuca, um, Andrew Brown. Yeah. Like I, I totally get it. So if that's who you're talking about, then yeah, we know. Um, but if I miss a starter or a rotational guy, Higbele is down here. Like Jamal Davis, Ty Shelby. I just don't see them making the roster. So I don't. Yeah, I, I don't have too many qualms left with this list. Um, uh, I think you could probably make the case to move Nasir Adderley down just because I don't know how much upside he has, like I said, with the um, GT mm-hmm. Woods thing. Um, I don't know if I would call Kenneth Murray an average starter along with Drew Tranquil. That's a, a tough spot right now, but I understood why we put him there, so... This obviously just comes down to like how you kind of define each term. And I think the fact that we have the upside tier makes things a little bit more skewed uh, than they are for particularly older players. So uh, I'm, I'm fine with what we did with this list today. I, I think it mostly checks out. Um, we didn't really DZ asking about Mark, but we didn't really talk about him mm-hmm. um, again. He played like six snaps before he got hurt against the chiefs. So I think just because of, you know, his draft selection and what we kind of think of him, you know, we, we put him in the emergency backup category, but it's a lot of projection there. Essentially had a red season last year. I don't think he's healthy yet still uh, from the OTA pictures I've seen. He's never had his helmet on or anything like that. Always kind of walking around on the sideline. So I'd love Jeez. to get an update on his injury there. Yeah. Because um, if it's that bad of an injury, Maybe he's kind of more on the roster bubble than we think right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, I guess you could make an ar- a better argument for JT Woods being viewed as as a starter option because technically is the third safety. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how much else I would change because, like, you know, uh, Troy Reader, if Murray is healthy, Reader's a backup. Mm-hmm. Tavon Campbell, obviously a backup. Tito, backup. Christian Covington, backup. I mean, Tillery technically is a starter if you're talking about a 3-4 defense, but that's not how we feel about him. Right. So really, I think the only one that you could potentially move up is Woods. Yeah, then it's just trying to figure out. I guess it's not fair because every position is different, but like, do I view Woods the same as I do Michael Davis or Kyle Van Noy? Yeah. Not really, but then do I view him in the same way as Kenneth Murray? Kind of. So uh, I don't know. It's tough to project. But yeah, I mean, yeah, JT Woods is there for me. He will play more significant snaps than someone who's considered an emergency starter or backup. But it's hard. It's hard for me to put him with some of the other guys that are ahead of him. Yeah. Alex, any final thoughts, man? Uh, no, don't have too many other final thoughts. Uh, I think we did good on the tier list today. Uh, I'm still going to protest i do think that tillery belongs in the e-tier but i understand that <laughs> is there by himself for a reason 
Uh, but overall, I think we uh, did good with the tier list today. I think there's a couple points you could argue. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm happy that we got to make this tier list and just see where everyone is. And like Steven said, happy to see how the season plays out and see where everyone is by season's end. I think we could have just made like, you know, when we did the depth chart analysis, we could have just done another dead to me category. But Egg Boy and Jerry Tillery next to each other. Aww. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for working on it right now, Tyler. Oh my goodness. This is amazing. Live TV for you guys in the chat here. Inside baseball. So I know we've been going uh, for pretty long today. Again, we were not necessarily planning for an hour and a half show. Oh, you've made two tears. Oh, God. What did I do? Never mind. End the show. (laughs) Go away. End the show now. (laughs) All right. So uh, just to let everybody know kind of what's what's happening uh, over the next couple of weeks, we are going to do a Saturday Q&A. We are not going to have our usual Sunday or Monday episode because it is Memorial Day. So uh, we will be enjoying the holiday and I hope you guys do as well. Oh, somebody was saying that we're Miss Jamal Davis. I mean, I guess you put him right mm-hmm. in the practice squad category, so that one's kind of yeah. easy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, did, bam, mission accomplished. There you go. And then uh, after that, unfortunately, Tyler is going on vacation. Alex is going to be doing some finals for med school. So next week is going to be me and some guests. We'll figure it out. And then uh, the next week after that, we should all be back together before we take a little summer break. So um, just wanted to let everybody know kind of where we're at the next couple of weeks again. If you missed it, there is a Isaiah Spiller giveaway happening on our Twitter slash YouTube slash Patreon pages. Make sure you go and enter that if you want a chance at a free Isaiah Spiller jersey. So thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Thanks for all the support. We'll see you guys later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.